Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. She don't pull any punches. She just tells you 
how it is and how it should be done. And one thing that I read, Brian, on her site, you can go to her website, it's marriagecorner.org, marriagecorner.org. And one thing that stood out to me, it says, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, knowledge. That was the very first thing that jumped out to me, knowledge and knowing what to do. Dr. Stewart, are you there? I am sitting here. I'm listening. <laughs> you know what? We, we, we thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I think a lot of people, a lot of women, I, we sent a blitz out today, and a lot of women emailed me and called me and they said things like, I can't wait for this woman to come on. I'm going to have my book ready. I'm going to take notes. I said, well, I, I, I'm going to be listening as well, and I got my pad ready too. <laughs> but th- this, is, this is one question that I want to ask you. Nowadays when we get married, do you uh-huh. think we're fully prepared, the man and the woman, to get married? I'm going to look at it from two sides. Okay. The first that I'm going to look at it from the maturity, the age side. Age side. You see, I think today when I was doing a broadcast, and um, one of the things I said is that there are a lot of juveniles, and I'm not talking about just teenagers. I'm talking about adults who are juveniles. They are still in the learning stage, they believe, and men, and I'm not getting at you, men. Men on a whole believe that because they can produce a seed, they are mature. Women believe that because they are charming, they're beautiful, they are mature. Those, those are not the things that bring you into a marriage, a good marriage. To have a good marriage, you must be ready for it. And by being ready, again, it is not only the chronological, like your age, you're 25 or whatever, because it could be 50 and still not ready. But I'm talking about a person who has sat down and thought about what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife. Because there are roles for both persons. There's a life and there's a role for the husband. And until they know what their role is, individual role is, why get married? Is it just for the physical side? That should not be it because people don't have to get married for that anymore. But in order to be ready, one, you've got to be emotionally ready. By that I mean sometimes we have had hurts. I've had hurts. I know what it is. But if you take your hurts from your past, log it along with you to get into this new relationship, you're asking for trouble. If that person also did the same thing, can you imagine what's going to happen? There's going to be a combustion of troubles, words, abuse, And listen, abuse is not just physical, but we'll get into that later. So the first thing, they have to be ready emotionally. They have to be ready by knowing what marriage is, what is required for marriage. And I want to refer to one of my books, 10 Questions to Ask Before I Say I Do. If you have this book in your hand and you're not yet married, you're going to be happy that you got it. And the reason why I say so, the things that I that are written in this book, if poor Barbara had known those things before she got married, she might have been a better wife, that's number one. And things that took place in my marriage, when my husband started um, his, his affairs and so on, I would have been able to act differently. Um, I didn't go run around and call, call um, some other woman or things like that. But it's as though when I look back now, I gave him permission. And what women don't seem to realize, we give the men permission to commit adultery on us. But we won't get into that. Any other question? (laughs) You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the emotional side. You talked about 
you know, bringing that past, that hurt from your past into the mm-hmm. new relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, but there has to be a a sort of breaking point where you almost have to bring some of that in to guard against it happening happening again. So where do you really draw the line with that? Hold it. I hear what you say. If Listen, it is like walking with, there's a word that says, make no provision for, 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 for sin. Mm-hmm. When you do that, it, it's like you're telling someone, I have, for, I have forgiven you, but I haven't forgotten. I have forgiven you, or rather, I will not forget. If you are going to bring some of what your hurts from the past into a new relationship, you will not even know that the, even though this person is showing you all the love, you will not be able to appreciate it because you are measuring that love by what you have in your hands. The negatives that you have, you are using that wow. to measure this person's love. Wow. I'm not saying you won't forget, you know. You will remember. And some things of the past should only be guides, but not yardsticks, which we're going to use to measure the new relationship with. They're guides. The mistakes that you made, this is why one of the things when you talk about preparation is that we must be able to see where we went wrong. Because it's not always the other. It's, listen, a relationship takes two persons. And never is just one person. Oh, no matter how, you could be a saint. It's never just the other person. We all contribute. Yeah. Maybe not the same things, but we contribute to a, the breaking of a relationship. So when you go into a new relationship, in order for you to really enjoy this other relationship or be prepared for it, you have to know what were the things I learned, what were the mistakes I made in that past relationship. Can I get rid of those things? Can I change anything? These are the things we need to look at. Because if, let's say for argument's sake, you were vulnerable. You took people just by their face value. And because of that, and many women, it happens that way, not only women, but men too, you see this person, they're nice and everything, only to discover that when you get to know them, completely different person. So you've got to know the person. You won't know everything, but there are some things that you can look for, questions you should ask before you join yourself to them. You know, and, and I'm glad you said that. There are some things that you won't know about that person you know, until you really get to know them. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and I have and I have this question all the time. You know, what things should you discuss with that person? You know, before you really get serious with them. You know, so you, should you discuss your futures, your you know the things that you've gone through? Should you be open about you know your sexual relationship, what you expect? You know, because I've heard you know on both sides. Well, you shouldn't talk about that kind of stuff because that's too personal and you don't know them well enough. But then you should talk about it. You know, so give us your opinion of what what's, what you should be talking about and what you shouldn't be talking about when you're getting into a relationship. I believe when it comes to the sexual side of it, for instance, if um, a woman, let's say, let's, let's go a little way out. Let's say she was a prostitute before. Wow. And he knew she was a prostitute. She don't have to go into details as to how many men she had. If she's a woman who had three or four children, she don't have to go telling Tom, her new person, the person she's going to be ma- going to get married to. Well, you know, Dick was such and such, David was such and such, and Fred was such and such. He doesn't want to know. She don't have to tell him that. She don't have to ex- ex- explain his physical, how they made love or anything like that. It's none of his business. Right. None of his business. And he, she don't want to know how many women he's had before. She knows that he's had women before. What do you want to go into all that history for? What's most important right now is first, in in this book, the first chapter says, who am I? When you know who you are and you're satisfied with what you found out about yourself, 
the things you can live with and think about you you can live with and things you believe others can live with, you can move on because what you want for yourself, you expect to get from the other person. Who am I? What kind of person am I? What am I looking for? What am I expecting from this person? What do I have to give? Dr. Stewart, this is Greg. I, I, I wanted to ask you about, you hear women always saying, I want a man, an honest man, a God-fearing man. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at the two, they both know that the yokes aren't even. The yokes are what? They're, are, they are not even. They're uneven. And in what way? It, well, you know, it, it says in the word that the yokes has to be equal and even. Yes, but I want to know where you're coming from because that's incompatibility there. <laughs> that is, that, that, that's, that's what I mean. We, you, you know, deep down inside, if a person's been dating a long time and they know that they don't love the other person, they know that they shouldn't be getting married, but they do it anyway thinking that it will just work out, everything will just work itself out. Ah, oh, now you come to a chapter in my book. It says, um, can I change him? Can I change, change this person after we are married? I wouldn't take that chance at all. But if you know, listen, uh-huh. there are two ways to look at it, two ways to look at it. It may be you're not in love with the person. You don't see anything about them, but there's something about the person, the real person you're seeing. On the outside, you would not want to fall in love with that person. But the things that are coming, what, what, what is really um, emanating from the inside, you said, this is a man. This is a family man. This is a man who will take care of me. He may not be handsome. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of money. And you know all the things that women do look, look, look at, okay? But he is a strong man. Not just in the physical, but he's a strong man in his, in, in, in his values, his beliefs, his worth, his outlook on life, his worldview. There is something that comes from that man. He's a strong, God-fearing man, a man who will be reliable, a man who will be there for me. He's no Elvis Presley, but he is the man who will take care of me. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. when we talk about compatibility... Let's look at another point of it again. With compatibility, we're saying, are there some things that we have in common? We're not saying you must see everything the same way. You're going to have different perspectives, different different opinions and ideas about certain things, but there are some common things that you should have that are compatible. They must have them in common. If he's a God-fearing man, you should be a God-fearing woman, and vice versa. Why go, as you go back to the word um, unequally yoked, why you, a Christian person, want to marry someone who is unchristian, doesn't want anything with your God? And another one, we talk about unequally yoked. There's another point to being unequally yoked. You're a Saturday worshiper, and you're going to marry someone who worships on a Sunday. You're a Roman Catholic, and you want to marry someone who's a Christian, believe in fire baptized and everything. How is that ever going to work? You're going to try to get him saved? <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> That's so you true. see? That's so true. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the unequally yoked, it's very broad. You know, the Christians only look at it saved and unsaved, but it's extremely wide, much wider than that. Yeah. You know, Dr. Stewart, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, sure. I want to ask you a little bit about what we should be making sure we have before we get into a relationship. You mean the men? Yes, men or women. Okay, what we should have. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Okay. Vanessa Williams has one of the best voices in modern music. Did you ever wonder what got her hooked on music when she was growing up? My fondest memory of music in school would have to be playing French horn in the high school orchestra. Under the direction of Mr. Angelo Morosco, we got a chance to travel all over the world. 
We went to Caracas, Venezuela, Miami, Florida, Nassau, Bahamas, and Seekonk, Massachusetts. Music is like team sports, says Williams. Kids are in it together. Music is good for kids because it teaches you a craft. It demands perfection. It forces you to excel. And it also allows you to be a part of something beautiful that makes wonderful music that transcends all kind of boundaries. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education. Gibson Guitar, Baldwin Piano, and this station. Music, part of a sound education. Treat me with understanding. Treat me with respect. Drug and alcohol addiction is an equal opportunity disease. Treat me without judgment. Individuals in recovery come from all walks of life and deserve to be treated with respect for winning one of the hardest battles there is. Treat me with courtesy. Treat me with humanity. Alcohol and drug addiction deserves proper treatment. For drug and alcohol information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we have with us best-selling author and special guest, Dr. Barbara Stewart. And if you have a comment or a question for Dr. Stewart, our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. Dr. Stewart, before we went to break, I asked you a question about what the man or the woman should have before they decide to get into a marriage or a, or that particular type of relationship. Okay. You got to have confidence. You got to have confidence. And confidence within yourself and confidence that this other person at, will treat you right. And we go back to what I said earlier. If you don't know what you want or who you are, you won't know if that person is really treating you right. There are some ways in which they'll probably be very open, but they can be very subtle in the way they treat you. And unless you're, you're really, um, what can I put it, smart, or you know what you're looking for, you may not notice what they're doing to you. Mm-hmm. It happens in relationships. And especially that woman, there are women who talk about, well, my biological clock has been ticking, ticking, ticking. I also say, let the clock break down. You can't have a nervous breakdown. Stop. It doesn't matter. It won't have a nervous breakdown, but you will. So you don't have to run for Tom because he comes to you. You must have confidence to know that this is the man you want, but it takes time to know this man. And again, we go back to the past relationships. If the past relationship left you hurt, bruised, torn up, not able even to pick yourself up, you're not ready for a relationship. You are not ready for a relationship until you've been healed from your past relationship, from the hurts and the pain. You must be severed from that person also. So you may say to me, well, but I have children for him, or she has children for me. Oh, yes, that's all right. You can still be severed emotionally. Where when you see that person for the children's sake, you're still going to treat each other with respect. And it takes confidence to do that. And also you must be able to respect yourself. Next, you must have have good communication skill. If you don't know how to approach someone or someone says something to you in a, in a, a conversation and that person is the only one talking, they're not getting any response from you, you know, it's going to kill the, the, it's going to kill the relationship before it starts. Good communication skills are very important. You must have good listening skills, and it comes under the communication. You must hear things that the person is not even saying, but you look at their attitude, you look at their body language. Look at their eyes, look at their brow, look at their mouth. Look at their shoulders. Look how they, for instance, you're meeting them somewhere, you watch and see how they're walking. Do they really want to see me? Is he really anxious to see me? Did she really want to see me today? You listen 
with your ears and your eyes. It's very important. You must know the kind of personality that you have. What kind of personality? Are you sanguine? A sanguine, the person, the party goer, you know, the person is always a high, you know, that sort of thing. They have a high and then they come down. Melancholy, very calm, sort of placid. Then we have the other one, the choleric user. <laughs> a user. And I'm just putting them, making them very, very um, tight tonight. I'm not going into any great details. Right. And there's one that um, uh, an organization found, it's called a Stupine. Very, very quiet. They don't make any fuss. And sometimes people look at those people as being shy. But shyness, in a sense, it is a kind of part of the personality. But it doesn't go well because there are people in this world who will take your shyness and they will abuse or abuse you because of your shyness. So you must know your personality. Yes. You have a question? Yes. You spoke about pain and being healed before you can get into a relationship, before you're ready for marriage. On this show, we've spoken with so many different women about being raped and molested when they were little girls. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and Brian, if I'm not mistaken, every one of the women that we've spoken to, I think all of them are either divorced or getting divorced. You know the reason why? No. One of the reasons is that from a counselor's point of view, many of those women never told anyone or they told anyone they were never treated they did not receive the kind of love where they can say, listen, that man hurt you, but all men are not the same. When those women get married, if they are not treated and they don't get over those pains, those hurt, though, as you said, the marriages end in divorce. And the reason is that they cannot give of themselves. They can't trust their husbands, to, no matter how much that man loves that woman, to really give of themselves. The husband who is understanding and insightful if he's a Christian and he's discerning, he will see that this woman is still hurting and will take her to a counselor or someplace to get help. And that will help the marriage. But if he's one who can't see that this woman is, or you say to her, it's time you got over that now. It's been 12 years, 5 years, 10 years. It's time you got over that. He's insensitive. Yes, I agree. Yes. He's insensitive. So, if she's been raped, and I want to say to all the women out there who've been raped, and men, both women and men who have been raped, make sure you get help. You get healing where you can forgive that person who hurt you. Yes, that is very important. Yes. Forgive that person who hurt you. Because the reason why you find many of these things are not, these marriages don't work after rape and so on, it's because they're carrying the pain and they have not let go of that person. And the quickest way, the best way to let go of people who have hurt you is to forgive them. That way you've got them completely out of your system. You see them, and it's as though you don't even remember what they did. It's the only way it can go on with your life, to forgive. Powerful. Yes, yes. Very you powerful. Know, and like Red said, we've talked to, I would say, well over 80% of our guests that have been on our show that have been female, mm-hmm. you know, fit into that category in mm-hmm. some form or fashion, mm-hmm. you know, where, they've, where something has happened to them as a youth, you know, or they've been in a failed marriage, bad relationship, mm-hmm. something has gone on, and they haven't, you know, well, I don't know if they had healed from it at the time we talked to them, but some of them haven't. You mm-hmm. know, some of them are still dealing with it. And That's, yes. And it's important that it, that you say, that you talk about that, because hopefully they're listening, and hopefully, you know, they're getting something out of this show, because this is the reason we do this show. We want people to, to receive that healing. We want them to live abundantly, and that's the whole reason we call the mm-hmm. show Abundant Solutions Hour. Brian, let Dr. Stewart give out her book information and how they can get it really quick. Yes, go ahead. Oh, yes. Um, the book is 10 Questions to Ask Myself Before I Say I Do. If you go to Amazon.com, look for Barbara Y. 
Stewart, and Stewart is S-T-U-A-R-T. And that book will come up and the other book. But this is a very valuable book. Let me just read a little bit of what the editor wrote. She said, this marriage manual is a must-read and required staple for the preparation for long-term matrimony. And she says that it's provocative and practical wisdom from above. And just those two sentences I'll read. But um, I've read it through several times. And I I know it was not... Barbara Stewart. It's a book that was inspired by me. As a matter of fact, it came out of a show. It came from a talk show. <laughs> yes, it did. Wow. Ten questions to ask. <laughs> yes. You know, I would I would dare to say that those ten questions will spawn ten more. <laughs> also, believe me chapter has so many other questions on the inside that really this person who wrote about it, you know, said that it's a manual. It really is a manual. And it is something, it's good for group study. It's good for young adults. And it doesn't matter who you are. If you're single and you're planning on getting married, especially if you've been married before, you need to read this book so you don't make the same mistakes again. And, you know, and I think the central part of you know, those 10 questions is that they will spark communication. That's it. Yes, 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 you're perfectly right. And not only that, it stirs up the person who's planning on getting married, say, wow, I would have never thought of asking these questions. It even talks about uh, people who are older, say like an older man marrying a younger woman, an older woman marrying a younger man. It's in there too. So definitely, listeners, pick up that book. Get yes. it with your friends. Valentine's Day is coming. Yes. I'm a dumb, you know? Dr. Stewart, you think people nowadays don't take time to get to know one another? You think they want to try to get to know each other really, really quick? They want to try to uh, experience being married before they're married and do the things that married people do? Uh-oh. I think, you know, for today, um, everything is so easy. You can get into marriage today and get out of it tomorrow. And for some people, they'd probably say, well, we're getting married. But many people who are getting married, they are getting married with reservations. They're not putting the whole self into it. There are reservations. There are hidden agendas. If this marriage doesn't work, I'll leave him. If this marriage doesn't work, I'll get someone on the side. If this marriage doesn't work, I'll get a divorce. It is so easy now for people to walk out of marriage just as easy as it is to get into marriage. So really, indeed, marriage should really take some thought, you know. People shouldn't just walk into marriage like that. It should take some thought. If 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 people are really considering that marriage is a sacred covenant, intended for permanence, they would take some time into thinking about marriage and what marriage really means. Because when two people get married, you're giving off yourself. Remember in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they were both naked. They were not wearing any clothing. They didn't even recognize they were naked. That was a natural form for them. And so it is when you are married, when two people are married, it should be just naked. And I'm not speaking on the physical. Naked, where everything is just natural for the two persons. But if you don't have trust for each other, it will not be naked. It will, no, it will not be naked. If you are getting married to someone and you don't have trust in that person, and that person has, does not have trust in you, you're both going into marriage with your fig leaves on. There's no nakedness because there's no honesty. And they try to cover up when they've done something wrong, huh? That's it. You see, the fig leaves when they're going into marriage is a hidden agenda. Wow. That's the hidden agenda. You know? And some men, and I'm not going to beat up on the men tonight, <laughs> but I'm going to start with them. For, they are more women than men. <laughs> some men... 
they know in their hearts that really indeed they cannot live with just one woman. Don't get married. Stay out of marriage. And women, if you believe that, you know one of the roles for the women is that she should, the, the wife then, she should submit to her husband. And where some women get it mixed up is that they believe that by being submissive to their husband, that they, their husband are lording it over them. That's not the way it is. Because some men take that scripture out of context. Yes, they do. Men. Yes. It doesn't mean you dominate that woman, your wife. You are to love her. What it means is that she respects you as the leader in the home. That's what it means. It doesn't mean she wears the pants. And I don't mean in the physical now. It doesn't mean that she takes the leading role. It means man, the man takes the leading role in the home, even when she's working more money than he is. Again, we talk about the hidden, the, the, the hidden agenda, the fig leaves covering going into marriage with fig leaves. But that's what it means. And when it says men are head of the home, no, 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 she's not. <laughs> she's not. <laughs> Mr. Turner, no, she's not. <laughs> she's certainly not. I'm just telling you like it is. <laughs> that's right. I told you, I knew that was going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I like to be very upfront and frank, you know, because sometimes we minimize these things and we fail to recognize where where marriage really started, you know. And uh, we have to respect marriage. Marriage is, is supposed to be respected. When I was growing up, oh, well, some eons ago, um, if a woman was engaged, the men would really away they wouldn't even ask her for a date if she's married oh no 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 she's untouchable that's how it used to be in those days nowadays a woman is married and a man would not think twice he wouldn't stop to think wouldn't pause to ask her out for a date that's just a bigger challenge for him you know you know (laughs) but days gone by it was not like that men respected married women but then I don't want to get into the feminism part of it because somebody's going to say, well, the women <laughs> broke it down. So I'm going to leave that part now. <laughs> Dr. Stewart, we're going to take another break, and when we yes. come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I want to go into that topic. <laughs> what topic? The topic on men and where women are now actually being the not necessarily the in the role of but, a man, but they're 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 kind of jumping into that role where they'll go out and be bold enough to ask a man. And if they oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll take a quick break and then we'll we'll get on that subject. Okay. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh. Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Yo, Dad, have I told you how proud I am of you? Hey, thanks, son. What did I do? I think you're eating extra vegetables and snacking on apples. Just trying to stay healthy by eating my nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. I even saw you slip carrot sticks in your gym bag. You noticed that? I sure did. Well, that's what you've got to do to stay healthy and fit. <laughs> and that's why you're my hero, my role model, my shining all right, star. All right, what do you want? The car, some cash, and your old school CD. <laughs> oh, my son. A message from the Department of Health and Human Services. Yes, we're now back with the Abundant Solutions Hour. We have on the show tonight our special guest, best-selling author, Dr. Barbara Stewart. Ms. Stewart, you know, I want to talk about that issue where now women are starting to be as bold as men. <laughs> and, and, well, and, and in that context, do you think that they should be out actively seeking a husband? Or should they wait to see 
that the right one because I because I see that happen a lot where they just want to get married they want to get married they want to get married and so anything that looks good sounds good drives a nice car has money in his pocket they're on him <laughs> and they make no bones about it you see those marriages will not last because they're only marrying what they see they don't know the person and as I said um and the book that um, looks of a way of fading and bodies sag. And so it is with um, pers- some, if you're not sure of the person. But the part where you talk about the women going out and asking the men, they've, go- they've gone even a little further. What they're doing now, the system that I know, professional women, they have their jobs, very high-paying jobs, and they have their own home and everything. They're well set, but they have no child. So what they do, they look for a man. They look for a sperm, a sperm donor. They go to him, have the baby, and that's it. She doesn't want him to have anything to do in the life of that child. That is wrong. Ladies, that's wrong. Okay? Women should know that when you go asking a man to marry you, you are really weakening yourself as a woman. You're putting yourself out there. That man will disrespect you because you know what he's going to say? You are the one who asked me to marry you. A wo- it says that a man finds a wife. Not a woman finds a husband. It's a man who finds a wife. If he finds a wife, he finds a good thing. And if a man is looking for a wife, he what he wants. If you have lived a certain number of years, let's say at least 30, 35, you should know the kind of woman that you want. That is not the looks that you're going to marry, but it's the virtue of the woman, what you see, what emanates from the woman. And the same with the woman. You're 20, 25, no, well, let's say 25, going up, by now, you should have an idea as to what to look for in a man other than him looking in tall, um, tall, dark, and handsome with manicured face and all those sort of things that they have, the nice car, etc., etc. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond the looks. It goes beyond the, the, the roses that you're going to get and the dinners and the shows. It goes beyond all the gifts. It goes much deeper than that. Dr. Stewart, do you think a lot of our young kids now, do you think it's just that they're just too impatient to wait on the man for them? Or do you think that they're trying to live the life of somebody else and they're trying to do these things that they see on television? They want that lifestyle. They want the money. They want this certain type of thing. But they can't really explain what that thing is, so they're just out there just doing whatever. I believe for some of the young young people today, the reason perhaps why some of them are quick even to have babies and so on, some of them are, are they've not been loved as children, let's face it. They do not know the warmth of parents. In many of the homes, as we know, there are single-parent homes. And you would find that that mother has to do maybe two or three jobs. She has no time to really cuddle that child. A baby mother takes care of that child. And that child grows up, it goes to school, comes home in the evening. She has no time to be with him. There's no father in the home. As a child gets to be a teenager, that child is looking for someone to love them because they have not had, you know, that the closeness, those early years of closeness with a parent, they did not have it. So now they want something that they can hold to their bosom. That's one of the reasons I believe why girls uh, from an early age are getting pregnant, especially in today's day. They used to do it before, but not so much. With the boys, they too, the fact that they grew up, with a mother, many of them, they do not know what the love of a father is. They don't know how it is to love. 
So they want to try out. They want to know what, it's, what it means by having a girl. Let me see if I can love her or she will love me the way I want to be loved. So what I see here, uh, the, what's really lacking is true love. Yeah. Children who are really loved and they feel comfortable at home, they are content. They're not in a hurry to get married. They're not in a hurry to have a baby. They're not in any great hurry. They'll wait. They'll go to college. They'll finish high school. They'll go to college. They'll get a job. And then move on from there. That's how I see it. Yes. You know, and Greg and I, we go out and we talk to uh, children's groups. We go and volunteer in the prisons and juvenile detention centers. And a lot of the kids, I can recall one time we were at a, a youth program at a church. And mm-hmm. we talked with the children. You know, we told them the importance of, you know, being safe and, you know, talking to their parents about certain things and being open and, you know, having, you know, positive attitudes. And we got all the children, and, you know, once the, while the children were around the adults, you know, they were kind of, you know, hey, this person will talk, and you always have that one that will talk over a little bit. But mm-hmm. we got them by themselves where it was just us and the kids. Mm-hmm. They really opened up and they start telling us things. And, yes. you know, we, we passed around paper and asked them to ask three things about boys and you know, the boys asked three things about girls, mm-hmm. you know, and it was interesting the, that the results that we got, you know, the questions that we got, and you can tell that the girls were more serious about the answer. Do you think that by nature, you know, girls typically want to know more about things like marriage and about, you know, boys than boys want to know about girls? Because it seems like the only thing the boys want to know about girls at that particular age is, does she have a boyfriend? Is she easy? You know, it's almost like they're, they're not really asking these important questions. Serious, yes, yes. But you see, biologically, and um, from what I understand from anatomy and physiology, they say that girls mature earlier than boys. Yeah. And I believe for that reason, where you'll find a 16-year-old girl a lot more mature than even a 17-year-old boy. That's just the way of life. But another thing I want to say also is this. The reason why girls are perhaps more serious, I believe they look at life completely different from men. If you know men and women do not think the same way. They think completely differently. And for that reason, you're going to find that the needs are going to be different. Boys... You know, from early, they start to experiment with whatever they want to experiment with. A girl sometimes, she's forced sometimes into into situations, not because she wants to get into it. But a boy wants to know. But the girl is more serious. She she will look at her body and she will talk of her friend and, they, they, you know, they will say to each other, well, I don't have a boyfriend. I'm not ready for a boyfriend yet. But a boy wants to know what's going on. He's in a hurry. But the girl, you'll find she's a lot more serious because she's looking at being married, having a home, having her babies. A boy may not even be thinking about getting a job. And that's the difference between the two. So you'll find the girl a lot more serious than the boy is. Do you think, you, this is Greg, do you think the boys uh, sometimes are a product of their environment? And when I say environment, do you think that as men we don't really teach our boys how to be affectionate and show their feelings and we try to keep them uh Boys, sit up straight, do this, do this, do that, and we really don't show the affection that we really need to show them. Do you think that's probably part of the problem? That could be part of the problem, but again, let's go back. Many of the homes today are raised by a single parent, and the single parent is a woman. I I have two sons, two grown men, and I remember when my younger son was um, coming up, maybe about mm, his teens, I'd ask him a question and said, such and such and such. He said, no, I won't tell you. And he wouldn't answer me. He wouldn't tell me. I said, no, this is how it went. 
I would say, well, let's say, for instance, I said, don't move that pen, put it, uh, uh, don't move that pen, leave it where it is. But ask me why. Right. Or he just ignore, he would ignore me. But if his brother told him to move the pen, he would move it. So one day I said to him, how it is? You listen to your brother, but not to me. He's a man. <laughs> do, you see the, do you see where I'm coming from? Yes, I Absolutely. It's not because he didn't respect me as a mother, but I'm a woman. And when his father died, my husband died, he was seven, seven years of age. So it's just mother and, you know, female teachers and all these things, having female all around the place all the time. So he said, yes, he's a man. That's why I listened to him. So it more or less answers your question. Yes, it does. Yeah. Boys want to be tutored and coached by, by males. This is why they have the big brother situation. Um, and if I, you know something? I'm going to say this now. In churches, I find pastors fail, especially where they have single mothers in these community organizations because it's a community. They fail to help the young boys. More, you will find the women gravitating to the girls and taking care of the girls, but you'll find the boys are left, as it were, just hanging in the air. And it should not be. Yes, yes. Dr. Stewart, we're going to take our last commercial break. And then when okay. we come back, we have one more question for you, and then we want you to just tell us some more about your book and some of the things that you're going to be doing in the future. Okay. All right, we'll be right back. Here's an important message from Reverend Dr. Jeremiah A. Wright, Jr., Senior Pastor of Trinity United Church of Christ. Did you know that more than half of all the new HIV-AIDS cases reported are among African Americans? Our men, our women, and our children are at risk. We must put aside our fears and exercise our faith and put an end to this deadly disease. Encourage testing. Learn more about HIV and AIDS. For testing locations, contact the CDC National STD and AIDS hotline at 1-800-342-AIDS. I was the last one of all my friends to do it. After I did it my first time, I told everybody I had such a big mouth about it. You got all that energy flowing inside, and you go in and commit. 20 million women didn't vote in the last presidential election. This November 7th, do something really important for your country. Vote. It's a beautiful thing. Sponsored by Women's Voices, Women Vote, a nonpartisan organization that does not support or oppose any candidates. Yes, this is the Abundant Solutions Hour, and tonight's guest is Dr. Barbara Stewart, best-selling author. Dr. Stewart, tell yes. us, what are some of the things that you have coming up in, uh, in the near future? Oh, I am on talk show. And I, as a matter of fact, now we have two programs, the Marriage Corner at Talk Show. I want people to know that I'm open for um, speaking. I do speaking. I go out places and I speak. And if you would like me to come and speak for you, speak to your youth, speak to your women's group, I'm more than happy to travel. And I will travel, okay? Um, coming up, we have, um, we're going to, I also have a newsletter. If you would like to get our newsletter, um, I would suggest that um, you can go to marriagecorner.org and complete the uh, contact form. And let us know, or there's an e okay, there's a mailing list form there. You can complete it, and we will um, send you a copy. I'm going to have a special one coming out for Valentine's, and I would really love you to have it. This book, 10 Questions to Ask Myself Before I Say I Do, it is an inspirational book. It's not all, uh, it's, no pre it's not preaching, preaching. It's really a very sincere, practical book that tells you how to prepare yourself before you get married. Let me tell you what the chapters are about. The first chapter is, who am I? It talks about emotional wholeness, financial strength, in-laws, confidence, personality makeup, and so many other things. It also talks about sexuality. Then chapter two is, who is this person? 
And this talks about you, you should do some research, find out about the truth, get the facts, and what about sexually transmitted diseases, those things this book talk, it talks about. What do I need from this relationship is chapter 3. And it talks about make a list of your needs and so on and your perception of marriage. And chapter 5, rather chapter 4, am I a selfish person? You know what? I would suggest that you go and buy this book. This book, it has a lot of things in it, 10 questions. And within each chapter, there are lots of other questions to ask yourself before you say, I do. And I think um, this is, uh, oh, in order to get the book, go to Amazon.com under books. Put in the search slot. Barbara Y. Stewart. And Stewart is spelled S-T-U-A-R-T. I also, do you want me to tell them about my programs? I don't want to take no liberties. Yes, yes, yes. Go right ahead. Okay. I have a program on talk show, talk, talk show rather, um, at 7 o'clock every Wednesday night, Eastern Standard Time. And you can come in and, in fact, you can dial 724 um, 444-7444. That's where the marriage corner is doing a lot more um, talk than at um, Blog Talk. Blog Talk, now I'm just keeping it for Wednesday afternoons for those who want to come in. But it's really at Talk Show now. And I'm there Wednesday nights. If you go there and you put in um, after www.talkshow.com, and in the slot you put in the marriage corner, that's T-H-E, marriage corner, you will see um, um, all of the shows that have come up. And let me say this to you. They're there. I think we talked something today about how can I ever love again. That's there. We did that the other day. And um, some other things that we did, a lot of things. I don't even remember them. And today I talk about um, God's plan for the family. And if you are a married person, and you're concerned about your children or your wife, listen to that broadcast. You see, listen to that broadcast. God's plan for the family. Yes, I will do broadcasts. Anybody who would like me to speak for them, I most certainly will do it. Let me say this to you. Whatever God has given me is for the body of not for me. Okay. You keep talking, keep talking. Oh, I was just... <laughs> so much. Thank you so much. Enterprises Incorporation. If you're inviting me, if you want me to be on you can invite me to be on your show anytime. Anybody who wants me to come on, I'll come on. And um, also, if you want me to come and speak for you, There? I'm still here. Yeah, we're having problems with the music. I just wanted to. Is there anything else you want me to say? Yes, we have about a minute. I'm killing the music because it's just not coming out right. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, um, your question. The, the I think the what was the topic again? Okay, the topic was hope for marriage. Yes. Okay. Let me just close off with this. There is hope for marriage. But you must be prepared for marriage. You do not take marriage or you're going to buy a car. Some of us put a lot of effort in buying a car, a second-hand car or a brand-new car. There are so many things we put in it. When we're going for a job, there are so many questions we ask. Do the same thing when you're going to look for the, when you're expecting the spouse that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And men, women, a word of warning, don't go looking for a husband. Prepare yourself for a husband. Men, you look for your wife and make sure that you're ready. Ladies, don't expect to have a husband. Don't think you're going to get a husband or the Lord is going to give you a husband if you are not ready. You won't get him. Unless you find him yourself, you must be ready. If you want a good husband, prepare to be a good wife. That's my final word. Yes, we thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate you yes, and your insightful do. words. Part two, Brian. We're going to have to do a part two with Dr. Stewart.
I'm getting yeah. that in the okay. chat room already. <laughs> when you're ready. <laughs> when you're ready. I want to say um, good evening to guest 2996, Pathways for Parents, Experience the Glory, guest 2935. Good evening. This is Dr. Barbara from the Marriage Corner. Yes. Yes. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we thank you. Good evening. Thank you, Dr. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yes. Good night. Good night.